Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today we're talking about season four, episode three, The Little Fish. Mary, what happened this week? Surprise, Brenda's back and she's pissed Brandon did exactly what he said he was going to do to her room. Brandon's pissed because he doesn't want to share his space with her anymore. Jim and Cindy don't know what to make about Brenda being back. They assume she'll transfer to CU, but Brenda's like, no thanks guys, I'll just be a dropout. The rest of the gang at CU begin to take their placement tests and select their classes, but find it hard to get into the classes they want as freshmen. Dylan decides to not even try to register for classes because waiting in line is too much to ask. Steve cheats on his math placement test, even though Brandon tells him not to. Andrea wants to write for the Condor, which is like the Blaze, but college. Her audition assignment is to write a review of the Peach Pit, which for some reason Nat doesn't know how to run anymore without Brandon. Andrea writes an honest article, and Brandon lectures her about integrity. She decides to not turn it in, but with an explanation. When Josh, the curly newspaper editor, tells her it's dumb to not be on the paper when you're a journalism major, Andrea's like, okay, fine, I'll be a doctor. Also, <laughs> also, she really likes her dorm. It's cute, and her RA named Dan has hair and a bike and a sweat stain. He also likes croissants from Cafe Delicious. <laughs> David wants him and Donna to be college radio people. He gives Donna a sample of their best work for them to submit to the college radio station. Unfortunately, the sample melts when Donna leaves it in the glove compartment of her car. David gets really mad before they go to the radio station person and explain what happened. They basically bicker back and forth for a really long time while a man stands, stares at them from behind a desk. Turns out they have good rapport, enough to get them to... 2 to 6 a.m. time slot on the college radio station. <laughs> Brenda runs into Dylan and is all like, remember when you didn't want to go to college? You were so right. College is lame. <laughs> Since they're not doing college, the two of them decide to go do nothing together, which is annoying because Brenda definitely knows Dylan and Kelly didn't actually break up. Dylan just wants to be a bum and then write about it, which honestly, same. <laughs> The two of them go fishing, and Brenda accidentally hooks Dylan's sweatshirt. She steps closer to remove the hook, and he smells her. They both give each other that look before both being like, nah, we're better as the closest friends. Phew. <laughs> when, oh, sorry. In the end, Dylan decides to register for classes, and Brenda decides to go to CU. Steve wants Brandon to pledge Kappa Epsilon Gamma with him, but also calls out Brandon's hair for looking like Bart Simpson, which he's not wrong. Brandon doesn't really want to be frat bros with Steve, but eventually goes along with him anyway, because that's what Brandon does. Brandon is worried that there are other Brandons at school with him who are way better at Brandoning than he is. Steve is directly asked to take astrophysics because he cheated on his math placement test. He uses the conversation with the important college person, who I don't know who it is, to leverage taking a history of film class. <laughs> then Josh from the Condor seeks out Brandon to ask him to run for student senate for the Progressive Party because he gets all the credit for that protest that wasn't actually his idea. The end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, 
Brandon would be a fantastic politician because he just bullshits and then yells and then gets to have credit for things that he didn't do. And when did that protest turn into 600 students? And also, how did other people like a college find out about that protest? Oh, that was my favorite part is that this guy was just like, no, no, I already know about you. Yeah. And then he said to Andre, he was like, I know about you in the blaze. You're like a shoe in. I was like, why do you know? The notoriety that is Beverly Hills or West Beverly High just runs deep, I guess. <laughs> That's what like I th- I must have just missed it because I was just like, I don't think we ever established this. Mm-mm. Like, I don't think anybody ever told me that, like, the blaze is known throughout California. Well, and that maybe West Bev is like a feeder into CU, right? Like, it, it could be, I don't know, like the state school. I, I, there's so many schools in California. It's hard for me to believe that, like, <laughs> one school just feeds into another but like maybe it's one of those where it's like I don't know like 30% of the graduating class goes to CU so people are just aware I yeah I, I mean I mean I know in the first season Andrea like changed her address so that she could get into the better school so that mm-hmm. she could get to Yale so yeah I guess maybe we've just forgotten that it was established in like episode one that West Bev is yeah like a notorious school like it is known for its newspaper and everything else but if if this is the case wouldn't they already know that brandon did try to run for class president before <laughs> right way? right like it's almost like they picked the wrong thing to focus on to inquire about brandon running for senate <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, if somebody, you know, hosts a apparently 600-student protest at school, like, I guess that fits in the progressive party. Right. But I was also just like, Brandon, progressive? Are you sure? The only thing I can think of is that didn't he, um, I mean, his car used to be named Mondale, and wasn't Walter Mondale, like, a Democrat running Uh, against someone? Reagan? Sure. No. I know he uh, he made that one Nixon joke during the protest. True. So, yeah, maybe Brandon is a Democrat and or maybe he's a libertarian. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Regardless, somebody was like, hey, Brandon Walsh, you're that regular kind of guy, right? Let's get you to run for Senate. (laughs) That was my other favorite part is how did they know what Brandon looks like? Facebook didn't exist yet. Yep. Which, speaking of, that's like a really good transition to like the freshman registration thing. So I'm going to hold on to that until you finish your thought because then that's like a perfect transition. Oh, no, I am good. Transition away. Well, I guess we can – I'm going to do this in like a little reverse order because like I want to focus on the registration because honestly this episode like – at least for the first half, jumped very fast. Like the scenes that they had were very short and jumpy. So Mm -hmm. I want to just focus on the two things that were not as jumpy. And the first, or one of the first, was they were at California University. Classes have not started yet because it's freshman registration. And I was like, oh, yeah, you used to have to register in person 
for your classes because computers weren't a thing or they might have been a thing, but it was for like word processing, not the internet. <laughs> yeah. When uh, I don't remember who found out that their class was full. I, I think it was probably Steve, but he gets to the front and like that woman is sitting at the table with a, a computer. And I was like, this is like a thing. They had to mm -hmm. like drag computers out so that one person could sit there and you could register, but the lines were so long they couldn't do it inside. Yep. Because like, yeah, like crazy. That would be so stressful. Yeah. This was my nightmare. Like mm -hmm. when Dylan was like, I can't handle this. I'm leaving. I was like, yeah. Like you might as well just wait till ad drop. Right. Because like I know for for us in school, it was like you got a time um, to register. And I remember mine was always like 5 a.m. And I'm like, cool. If I want to get that class for my elective, like I'm going to have to get up at five. It's not one of those where it's like, oh, I can just like sleep in until nine and then, you know, maybe get that class. It's like, no, no, no. If you want to get a good class and you're a freshman or you're a sophomore or whatever, like you, you got to get up when your registration time is. But then I'm like, by myself. <laughs> so I'm not seeing all of the hundreds or thousands of other people attempting to register at the same time. Here, you see so many people trying to register potentially for the class that you want. So you'd have to have like a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. So stressful. And that was the thing. Yeah. When Steve doesn't get in and she's like, just pick a geology class. I was like, I'm sorry. No. I need to sit at my desk. I need to have the class options up. I need to compare on my schedule to see what works so that it's not going to like overlap and I'm not going to end up with like an 8 a.m. on Monday and then an 8 p.m. on Monday and nothing in between. I need to go to rate my professor and look at like how many chilies they have. <laughs> like, I cannot do this. I know. I know. We We had it much easier than we thought we did. <laughs> we had it so good. And it is really funny that, you know, we watch these episodes and I get hit with all this nostalgia of like moving in, getting your dorm, you know, I never had a cute RA. That was just unfortunate. Nope. But like I had all this nostalgia, but then at the same time I was like, th this was a huge deal that they gave Andrea a computer. Right. And the bigger dorm. Yeah. Like, because I don't know about you, but well, no, you've already said like you had um, a sweet, sweet style. Yeah, so you yeah. had sweet style. My dorm is exactly what Andrea said was like the other option, where it was like, I mean, this it legitimately felt like the size of a closet, and we had to put two lofted beds, and we had the tiniest little desk. Like, I mean, I was in certainly the freshman dorm, and it was the all girls dorm at EGA. It was called Brumby. And, oh, the Brumble um, Beehive. Yep, and the Nine Floors of Whores, which is no longer just females. So that also makes me feel old because it had been all female for like decades, and now it's co-ed. And I'm like, what did I miss out on? Because boys weren't <laughs> even allowed to come into my door. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we had co-ed everywhere at KSU. I don't think they had a choice. They were just like, we'll just throw them wherever. They're yeah. fine. Yeah. But yeah, so I lived at the top of Freshman Hill, which is also what they called it because we had three freshman dorms right in a row and it was on an, I mean, I swear to God, all of the University of Georgia is on a hill. Like it yeah, doesn't it matter just never where goes you down. are. <laughs> yeah, Somehow you're, you're always up going hill. up. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, so the crazy thing for Andrea, yeah, is not only did she get a larger 
dorm, basically I'm assuming her room was like virtually two in one um, for herself. But then, yeah, she got a computer. Like, that's so crazy. It's like when we were going to school, we were like, what MacBook should I get this time? Like, (laughs) well, and yeah, it was like, I don't remember what they would give away each year, but you saw like, you know, Mac would always, I think this year, because I was looking at new laptops, it was like, if you're a student, if you buy a MacBook, you get free AirPods. Oh, man. Yeah. But they would always do that. They'd be like, if you buy a MacBook, you get, you know, a year of this, a year of that, and then like a free 8 gig iPod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what we had. And these people are just like, you can have seven notebooks, <laughs> but you get to pick the color. She also got a laser printer that Kelly was so excited about. <laughs> it's like, why is Kelly so excited about a printer? Because she probably hates libraries. <laughs> I will say – I did miss having a printer because I didn't have one in college or grad school. And I remember having to go to the student center and go to the little print area to print out all of my papers. Which, like, why are we still printing out papers? Yeah, seriously. It's 2015. I am not printing a paper. I'm pretty sure Claire and I got a shared printer and then we had to figure out who's going to get custody of it after we no longer lived with each other freshman year <laughs> printer i know that was the big thing that was it i got a printer freshman year when i bought my laptop mm-hmm. but then like yeah over the years i just lost it yeah oh good times when it's 1993 are we still in 93 yeah we're in 1993 cuz i looked okay. up the dates for this one cuz there's I don't even remember who he played like I actually have him pulled up on IMDB because he was on this and then next week in 1993 he's on Saved by the Bell oh and I was like fun. this man was busy yeah so yeah but the other big thing that happened in the beginning of this episode and it and it was the more consistent thing um was and I did a stupid lame joke of guess who's back back again oh Brenda's you have to back. like Tell a friend. Yeah. Which in hindsight, I'm like, that was lame. But no, I um, love it. <laughs> but yeah, Brenda's back. She, We see her walk into the Walsh house, see her go up the stairs and walk into her room, which is definitely not her room anymore because Brandon turned it into his like little bachelor pad with a tiny, tiny pool table, a guitar that I guarantee he's never played and a futon. So. I, have so ma- I have so many opinions <laughs> about this. Okay, so first of all, Brenda only brought back two bags. What Mm -hmm. about all of her decorations in her dorm room? What about her, you know, comforter and her pillows and, like, all this stuff? Like, who is getting all that stuff? How did she – She's sending for it later. How did she get all this stuff? Where did she get the money to get a cab, to go to the airport, to buy a last-minute, presumably red-eye ticket to come home and then get another cab in L.A.? from presumably LAX all the way back to her house. How does she have this money? And then she gets upstairs, and yeah, Brandon's got this other room with the futon. Where's her bed? <laughs> what happened to her bed? And then this little pool table, which now I'm asking, Brandon's in his own, like, in his parents' house. Who's coming over? Right. They all live on campus. Steve's going to go live in the frat house. There's the beach apartment. Who's coming to the Walsh's house? This is problem numero uno that I have with the entire Brandon lives at home situation. Because, yeah, like, like, who's coming over? 
what are they going to be doing while Jim and Cindy are there? Also, to comment on where's Brenda's bed, my theory is that Jim and Cindy burned it after they did it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we can't show any evidence. <laughs> you know, I swear to God, like, she got on the plane, they had sex on her bed, and then they dismantled it and put it up in the attic and we're just like brenda's dead was brenda only gone for like two weeks yes and she was gonna come back for thanksgiving in two months anyway so like what was the plan then right that's problem numero dos i have is brenda's not gone forever so where the hell was she gonna sleep when she came back for the holidays yeah and then yeah she's only been gone for two weeks and so she goes into brandon's room and he is like the idea that he has done all of this stuff in the two weeks that she's been gone blows my mind because we know that the first week that she was gone her room was still her room Mm -hmm. so in a week he has bought a pool table a futon and apparently enough clothes for a second dresser right because he has a dresser in there too with like undies in it See, maybe he's thinking, I'm going to bring the ladies over and they're going to need a change of clothes because it's not going to be planned because there's going to be like, girl of the week, girl of the week, girl of the week. And so maybe he like stuffed those drawers with like comfy clothes for ladies to sleep in when they come um, come visit him. But like, <laughs> I'm truly just picturing them in this like second bedroom where he's just like, oh, yeah, this used to be my sister's. I'm like, oh, what happened to her? She's in Minnesota for the next, like, month. She's like, gone. <laughs> you just, just took it? And he's like, yeah. And then Cindy comes in and is like, I made you guys cucumber sandwiches. Oh, my God. Can Are you, you hungry? Imagine? I can because Cindy would absolutely bring snacks. She absolutely would. And, yeah, so <laughs> it's, you know – super early in the morning, whatever, and she comes into Brandon's room and is just like, where is all my stuff? Can you put it back? And I swear, I was expecting Brandon to be like, is this a nightmare? Oh, same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you wake up and you see Brenda and you're just not like, I'm dreaming, right? Yeah, like, Like, where am I? Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, how'd you get here? (laughs) And yeah, she's like, I walked. And then Jim and Cindy come running in like, who is talking to Brandon? What is happening? And then they're not even excited to see her. Well, and my favorite part is she keeps saying I dropped out. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you are still in ad drop. I don't think you dropped out. Well, and two, like, there's an actual formal process. You don't just stop going. Like, to drop out of school, it's people don't give a shit if you don't show up to class. So that's not an official dropout. Like (laughs) you got to actually do paperwork and get tuition reimbursement and like all that. So you might be saying it, but you haven't yet. Yeah. And to be fair, she says like, if I had done this a day later, you would have only gotten 70% back. And this way you get 90. So like she did do paperwork to get her tuition back, but like you were in school for two weeks. You never went to a class. I don't believe. Yep. Like she might have, but I refuse to believe it. But also I just like, can we talk about how I still have recurring nightmares that I am enrolled in college and just not attending classes? Really? I don't know why, but I still have nightmares that like I am one credit away from my graduate degree, which I have, so I don't know why I, like, still dream about this. 
but I will have dreams that like I signed up for a math class or an English class or like something I didn't have to take. And then I just never showed up for it. And it's the final and I have to take it, but I already have a zero in the class. <laughs> and I'm just like, I have wasted money. I have wasted time. I have never gone to this class. I don't know the stuff. I can't get my degree. And then I have to wake up and be like, I'm 30. <laughs> I'm not in school. Which what's more of a nightmare, dropping, <laughs> not getting the class credit or being 30. <laughs> yeah, it's actually very depressing to wake up and I'm like, can I just go back to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go to the math class in my sleep. Well, that dream sounds a little familiar to what I dreamt last night. And it's more like around the theme of trying to get something and you just can't. And so last night, for some reason, I had a dream that Nate and I, we were in our current house and I guess it was cold outside and we were all warm like on our body, but our feet were absolutely ice cold freezing and we could not find our slippers. <laughs> <laughs> like legit, because we both have slippers. We are. We I are, love your slippies. We're big slippy guys, big slippy guys. And we looked everywhere. And I even remember, and this is what was so freaky about it because it seemed like a real conversation we'd actually have. Because I said in my dream to Nate, aren't they in your closet where you keep them year round? And he said, no, I looked there. But yeah, they're usually there year round. <laughs> and I was looking for my, like, even when I woke up and told Nate what happened, he was like, well, did you look in your dream? Did you look in the other closets? And I was like, yeah, I tore those closets apart. <laughs> it's a real fear to not have our slippies. Uh, and like dream you wasn't just like, I'm going to put on socks and then continue the slippy search. That's the thing. I don't even know what I was wearing on my feet. I just know that they were freezing and Nate's were freezing and we, and everything, like he even made a comment. He's like, I feel great up here, but my feet <laughs> are frozen. And I'm like, we need to find our slippers. <laughs> yep. So this is the cutest dream ever in my life. <laughs> it was I couldn't so find weird. my slippers. I looked everywhere. <laughs> Anywho. Oh. But yeah, Jim oh. and Cindy were not happy. They were just like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. I know. And then like that kind of continues because the next scene is when they're all at registration and they're all doing everything and Brandon starts like the chain of things of like, oh, Brenda's back. She was in my room this morning. And he he says, when I agreed to live at home, Brenda was not sleeping on my futon. Yes. <laughs> and this is perhaps the biggest it's numero trace problem that I have with this entire episode and something that you'll see as a theme as we keep talking about this that I don't understand I don't understand why Brenda being back in Beverly Hills has anything to do with Brandon's living situation and they do they keep bringing it up and I'm just like you didn't have a futon before you lived in the same house with your sister for the last 18 years. Why is this an issue now? Well, and there's like, no one is going to use that futon. No one <laughs> is coming over to Casa Walsh when they have California University, when there's the beach apartment, when there's everything else. No one is coming over to the Walsh house. They would go to Andrea's double-sized dorm room before they'd go to Casa Walsh. 
which they actually do. <laughs> yeah. We actually see that. Because, yeah, he, like, he tells Andrea, and then I think Andrea tells Kelly, and then Kelly tells Donna, or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she tells Kelly because Donna's off doing David things, and that's a whole different issue that I am not ready to talk about. <laughs> like, it, I just don't understand. And they bring it up so many times that, like, she is being an inconvenience to Brandon. Yes. This is the thing that was making me so mad the entire episode. And, like, I I think it's also a little bit triggering because we very much see, um, you know, like, any punishment. Like, we talk about this pretty much every episode, but how anytime Brandon does something wrong, Brenda gets punished somehow. <laughs> and, like, you know, there's such a double standard for Brandon versus Brenda. And clearly Jim and Cindy just don't like Brenda. <laughs> and so I think, like... Obviously, that's kind of bleeding into this, but I just, I don't understand it. And I wish somebody who's connected to the show could explain to me (laughs) why it mattered, what Brenda did that either pushed Brandon out of the house or kept him there, but it was a huge inconvenience. I I just don't understand. Oh, interesting. So I, I had a thought while you're talking that like between this and what's going on with David and Donna... And, like, probably a little bit more if I really thought about it. This is actually a very misogynistic episode. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So this made me think, who wrote this episode? Larry Mullen wrote this episode, which I didn't know anything about. I was like, I don't think we've actually – like, I know who he is because he's a huge name in 90210. Okay. But I was like, I don't think we've seen him before. This is the first episode he wrote. Okay. At least the first one he's credited with on IMDb and, like – he writes a fair amount of episodes. He's written 30, and then he is EP on uh, a lot. Like, I can't even see because my screen is blocking it, but he's EP mm. on a lot of episodes. Interesting. Okay. So maybe he's just trying to get his feet wet, just kind of get closer with the care. I, you know, identify certain things. I don't know. And it's... <laughs> It's not just him, right? Like, there right. is a team of writers. This is just the one he's credited on. But, yeah, I was just like, this is so misogynistic. And, like, it's not out of the ordinary for the characters. Like, I think everybody, if this was how we decided they were going to act, I think this is how they would act and the things that they would say. Like, you know, later in the episode when Cindy is just like, just because I didn't speak a lot yesterday does not mean I don't disagree with your father. Right. Right. That, yeah, there was a lot. uh, Yeah, I think to your point, there was nothing wildly out of character. It just seemed elevated, right? (laughs) Like David, and we'll get to him and Donna, but like he's never that aggressive. Like he gets annoyed, but he's never, he seemed very angry this episode. He called her stupid and she just went with it. That's what I'm saying. Like he's, he doesn't treat Donna that way. Like, he gets frustrated about sex, not about, like, the radio stuff. Like, they're a team, and they've always been a team, and there's never been a situation except for maybe the first time Donna took over for David at the high school radio station. There's never been a point where he's been against them being a team or didn't – it wasn't equal. But then with Brandon, we know he's got these white knight characteristics, and we know he's, like, very much golden boy and all of that, but – I think it was just what was out of character was just the, like, blatant 
like you are being selfish. You are doing this. You're messing everything up for me. I, I don't know. It just I, seemed too much. I think it was the aggression against women specifically in this case because it's been, you know, Donna and Brenda, definitely mostly Brenda. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when you started pointing out some of the history with Donna and David, I realized I think what got me was that up until the moment they are in the room with like the producer for the radio station, she does not stand up for herself. True. And that's what Donna does is she calls him on his shit. And this time she just didn't. She was just like, I have to call Brenda. And he took the phone out of her hand, hung it up and dragged her away. And she just went with it. Yep. That's a good point. Literally, that's the next scene. Mm-hmm. Was David being like, no, we have to go to the radio station because a ton of people are going to be trying to get in. We're freshmen. We have nothing to stand on. We need to go introduce ourselves. And he is right. Like, of course. That's a big theme in this whole episode is like, you need to get to registration. You need to get to the Condor. You need to get to the radio station, all of that. But she's like, oh, I was just going to call Brenda because Brenda had a big event happen and she's my friend. And he takes the phone out of her hand and goes, you'll call her later and drags her away. Yeah, I think with that scene too, it was like, I understand David's stressed out because like he he said in that scene that Mel really screwed up something with financial situation. So either he has to go to like financial aid or, you know, figure out something like that. That can be a very stressful thing. And I can only imagine it's, it's much more stressful in 1993 than it would have been in 2009 when mm-hmm. we handled the whole situation. So I get that stress. Also, he's got to take that placement test. Along he's got to take two. Right. He's got to take two placement tests. Now, granted, the math test, everyone in the group except for Andrea. Yeah. Andrea back yeah. out didn't have to take it. And then, and then yeah, Brenda, obviously, because Brenda yeah. isn't enrolled. But everybody has to take that. So that's not – to me, I don't have sympathy because everybody's got to take that. And then, yeah, they got to go to the radio station. But he – what he says in this scene, and I don't remember the exact order, but there's plenty of time. There is time to do this. Even if they went to the radio station tomorrow, that'd be okay. Because I think they actually do go the next day because they have to get – they meet them first and then they get the tape and then they go see him again. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he kind of put his stress on Donna, took it out on her, and was uncharacteristic about it, that's what bothered me. Because I'm like, dude, David, you're – you get stressed, but, like, you literally just took two years of school in one. You understand stress. You can handle it by now. And that's a really good point is that, like, I don't understand why any of this surprises him. Like, this has been a very stressful situation. He had to try and graduate early. His dad got divorced again, and it was, like, very much at fault for all of this. Then the whole thing with Donna and the drinking. Then his dad messed up his tuition. And so, like, I totally get it. But, like, this is kind of what happens when you – become an adult is like these are things you have to have like you have to take those placement tests which have times have expectations you already have your little like reel whatever they call it why didn't you just take that to the radio station with you in the first place yeah if he's so familiar with the process and the fact that he like hangs donna out to dry where they're like oh you have your you know on air tape right and he's like of course i do and she's like what's that and he's like don't worry i took care of it yeah. 
Like not even cluing her. That's the thing. It's like to me, like Brandon, whatever. I get it. He's he's gonna Brandon. Brandon gonna Brandon. Like we know this. But I think, yeah, the part that made me the most upset in terms of the characterization was with David because I just don't feel like he's ever been like that before, especially with Donna. Maybe with other people and maybe I mean, with Kelly, he's been probably the realist, right, that we've at least seen on screen, where he's actively talked about his dad, he's talked about his mom, he's talked about the stress that he's had with school and all that, but he's never treated Donna badly because of it. The only fight they really have is what when they're going to sleep with each other. That's really it. Otherwise, they're a pretty healthy relationship for the most part. So yeah. that's why I think it made me frustrated, because I'm like, dude, David, this isn't you. So... I think once you brought up the fact that this was the lead writer's um, first episode makes a lot more sense and, and kind of still frustrates me, but it like at least gives some placement for that frustration. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he's on the show a lot. Like, I think the problem is like your first foray into characters, regardless of like, if there's, you know, the rest of the writer's room to help you out, like there might be some, you know, differences in how you write it versus how somebody else does and mm -hmm. it was just I guess a little more drastic this time because yeah I I don't think I I know actually that I didn't get your quote of the week this week because I spent too much time writing down all the jabs that everybody had at each other that I was just like why why is this happening <laughs> well if y'all really think about it I'm, I'm I'm actually pretty sure you can guess it but we'll get there at the end of the episode <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think I could probably guess it, but yeah, I didn't write down actual guesses <laughs> because – so even though, like, Donna couldn't call Brenda, I think this is when Kelly calls Brenda and is like, oh my gosh, you are back. And she's like, yeah, but I can't talk right now. I'll call you later. Hangs yeah. up the phone and gets back to Jim and Cindy, and this is where they have the whole conversation of, like, I dropped out on the day I did so I could get you all your money back. And Jim's like, my bank account thanks you. Now – when are you going to go enroll at California University? She was like, who says I'm doing that? Right. Which, I mean, I I get Jim and Cindy being like of a different generation and thinking like you have to go to college. This is yeah. what you have to do. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that's happening with Dylan and Kelly is like they are very convinced there is one path. But if she just had this whole issue and dropped out after two weeks and came home, like – I just kind of wish there had been a little more compassion. So they're like, well, you won't tell us what happened. And she was like, I got homesick. Everything was terrible. I didn't get the classes I want. And they're like, but why, Brenda? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole scene, there was there was two major issues that I had. And, number, well, I guess three because <laughs> <laughs> the Kelly call – like there was zero point for Kelly to call Brenda – it was um, just to move the scene to the Walsh house. Exactly. It. But it's like, you didn't even need to do that. Just cut two. Like, uh, so that was when I got frustrated. I was like, what's the point of these tiny scenes? Because there was, it was just going so all over the place. And I didn't really like that. But anyway, that's fine. That happens. Um, but the, yeah, the, one of the problems was that there is the theme of this whole freaking episode when it comes to them. They're only concerned about what this means for Brandon. They're yes. not concerned with the fact that Brenda was homesick. Brenda was having a really hard time with making friends, like even being friends with her old, um, you know, childhood friend, Darla, but then making friends. She was having issues getting classes that she needed to feel like she could be really immersed into the college environment. 
and she just missed everybody. She realized like, oh, Minnesota is not for me. Like I need to be home. So the fact that Jim and Cindy aren't even really happy that she's home to me is a big deal because if I know anything about parents and I don't know a lot, but I know that parents of kids who go away to school usually are totally fine with the, like they've already come to terms with the fact that their kids going off to school. My parents, they did not want me to leave the state of Georgia and not just financially because that was a big part of it, but because like my mom doesn't want me to leave the state of Georgia now and I'm 30 years old. And so if any child comes home to visit their fa- their family from college, it's a big deal. So that's what frustrated me was that Jim and Cindy did not even seem like they're excited to see their daughter. I know it's only two weeks, but still. Number two, they're only concerned about what that means for Brandon. They don't want Brenda coming home to go to see you because they've made it very clear that they want her to, that she is still going to college, but they don't want her to go to see you because that for some reason means that Brandon's going to move out and they don't want him to, which gets me back to the thing that makes me mad about this episode is why does that matter? Why does that have anything to do with Brandon's living situation? They literally have been living in the same Jack and Jill style bedroom and bathroom for three years at this point. Why all of a sudden Brenda being does Brenda being home mean Brandon has to move out? That makes zero sense to me. No. And the idea that like Brenda clearly just went through something. She wouldn't have come home in the middle of the night if she hadn't gone through something. I mean, they, you know, make all these comments of like, well, no one is as dramatic as you, Brenda. But like still, when she is dramatic, it's because she's going through something and you need to pay attention to it. And they're just like, they don't give a shit. Yeah. And yeah. like, just talk to her. Maybe she needs to take a gap year. Maybe she's not going to go to college. Maybe she's going to, you know, take some classes at a community college to figure out what she wants. Maybe she needs to go take some of the acting classes. Like, there are different paths here. And I don't understand why they just, like, zone in on the one path, but they only care about that one path because of how it's going to affect Brandon. Yeah. And as you were talking through that, it kind of made me think maybe there's some truth and we may never know for sure because we don't know these actors. We don't have any connection to what the truth is, but maybe at least for now, they are, maybe there are some real issues with Shannon Doherty right? Like maybe there are some real problems with her on set, with her interacting with other people and they're kind of taking it out on her, you know, in in the form of Brenda Walsh. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right. Like that's not for me to say. And that's not even for me to say if it's actually happening, but you know, (laughs) maybe there really were some issues and this is just the only way they could be like, all right, you're going to be a diva. We're going to be a diva right back to you. I don't Mm know. Um, Just a thought, but and I do think it's important to kind of like we were saying to really showcase the generational differences here, because even for our parents, which would be, you know, a good, I don't know, 15 years younger than Jim and Cindy, maybe thereabouts, um, maybe more, 
maybe 20 years. I don't know. Maybe. I, I was going to say, I think it depends on the parents because, like, my siblings are a lot closer to Brandon and Brenda's age than I am. I'm still thinking they might still be in the boomer category. I'd, I'd say they they were definitely born in the 50s, probably, like, early 50s, and my parents were mid-50s. Yeah. Mine were late 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, we'll, we'll say, yeah, but still boomers. Yeah. So I think it's really important to notice here that, yeah, the option is college. Um, and I know certainly that was the option for me. There was zero oh, yeah. talk about no college. <laughs> like, what would you do? You know, <laughs> like that was what we were told is like, you don't have a life if you don't go to college. And I'm and, and looking back on that, I'm like, oh, man, that's some pressure. Oh. Right. I mean, I'm an accountant. Like, where do you think that came from? Nobody dreams of going to college to be an accountant. Right. And and we've talked, I think I've talked about here, like, I don't use either of my degrees, like, from school. Like, I got an undergrad in psychology, and I got an undergrad in mass media arts, which is somewhat related just in the form that I work in the media business. But I do advertising. I do sales. Usually you go to business school for that or definitely not the College of Arts and Sciences. Like, <laughs> so, so I think people are realizing now that, you know, um, college is not the end-all be-all. I mean, technical schools, community colleges, those are super beneficial, but it's still not for everybody. Um, and so, but I do think it's really important here to focus in on the fact that they are so pro-college and and that it's the only option because I think we can relate to that, right? Like mm-hmm. we can certainly identify with how we were raised as well. Um, and I think that's just a product. I don't think it's a product of anything other than the generations. Yeah. Which I think is so funny because I don't know actual dates for anything because why would I, why would I research? <laughs> but I feel like this is right before or like right during that first tech boom with like, you know, Microsoft and Apple and AOL and all of those companies. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of those people dropped out of college. I mean, they were affluent people who were given money to create startups in their parents' garages. And geniuses, but you know, besides the point. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. Suffice to say, Brenda should not be forced to go to college if Brenda does not want to go to college. She needs to figure that out on her own, which luckily she does. And I'm sure Jim is thanking his lucky stars that she picked what he wanted him to, her to pick. I just think it would be so funny if Brenda had told Jim that the reason that she's going to college is Dylan McKay. <laughs> like if she, cause you know, we know that Jim and Dylan have such a tumultuous relationship. It's like, wait, you're listening to that boy again. <laughs> I think he like, I think his heart would fall out of his butt. I just, <laughs> I think he would just be like, I need to sit down. (laughs) I need a moment. (laughs) He wouldn't say anything. He would just walk into his own bedroom, put on his headphones, plug in his keyboard, and just get the feelings out in music. He would just start. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It would be so bad. Yep. But then, like, yeah, going back to the college where everybody else is already enrolled and, like, getting their stuff together – Steve and Brandon are in the math placement test, and they are being so loud. Like, they are sitting in this auditorium that definitely echoes, and Brandon's just like, stop cheating off of me. And he's like, I'm not. I'm cheating off of that guy. Which, like, (laughs) 
Steve, this is the <laughs> stupidest test to cheat on. You want to do bad on your math placement test because you still get credit for taking any math class. Mm-hmm. Like, I took – I think I took pre-algebra in college because they offered it, and I was like, this is an option? <laughs> I can do this again? Oh, yeah. Like, I took – I should have taken an English placement test because, like, I'm pretty sure I could have gotten out of English 101 and 102, but I didn't because I didn't know it was available, and I still had to take them, but they were easy A's. Right? Like, some of this stuff you should not feel bad about. Like, I took some really interesting classes, but, like, I did not need to take, like, Calc 2. I did not need to do all of those things. So, yeah, I took – I think I took pre-calculus. It was at least pre-calculus, not pre-algebra. But, like, I took easy math. I, like, had no problem taking English 102 because I did get out of 101. But, like, I had no problem taking some of those, especially in your freshman year when you're supposed to be, like, figuring shit out. It was crazy for me because, like, I didn't add my psych major until I realized I could and could still graduate on time until, like, I don't know. I think it was junior year. I think it was, like, when I got into the school of journalism, that's when – I was like, oh, I can do another degree? Cool, why not? And still graduate on time and not pay extra tuition? Cool. And so, but with that came a lot of additional classes that I didn't take in my freshman and sophomore years as core classes. And one of them was pre-calculus and the other two were two biology classes, which were so hard. And I don't know what I, uh, how I got through those. But with pre-calc, I hadn't taken math in like two years at this point. Maybe, did I take math senior year? Yeah, I did. I did. Because I took I took freaking AP calculus and I did not know how to do pre-calculus anymore. <laughs> That's ugh. Yeah, I honestly I stopped caring about math. Like, so what I would have done like Which is hilarious because you're an accountant. <laughs> but an accountant, like, I don't need to know exponents and like all this crazy stuff. I literally just need to know addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. That's yeah. all I need to know. Accounting is like light math. If I ever talk to a math person which like I live next to tech I know people that went to tech but I talk math to them they laugh at me <laughs> they're like you're an accountant I'm like and you know what my debits equal my credits so I'm a good accountant yeah you know what accountant means counting <laughs> yeah literally I count the money I don't need to be like well if I have one dollar and I need to invest it blah 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 that's finance yeah finance yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. even take math finance takes finance <laughs> but anyway uh, Andrea is at the Condor. Mm-hmm. And I I really hate the trope of like you show up at your first day of something and someone's just like, look, I don't have time for you and da-da-da-da-da and you all suck and I'm the greatest and if you can't handle it, get out. It was very Paris as the editor of the Yale Daily News. Like Which, big like, vibes there. Oh, Absolutely. And I, in that case, I am fine with it. I am fine with making <laughs> the Paris reference. And like, well, it's because that's Paris. Like right, that right, was right. established. Oh, yeah. So God. early on. Love that but, girl. Like, it happens so many different places. And especially because this guy says this to all of these people and is such a dick. And then Andrea goes back later and he's like, no, you're totally in. Yeah, it was like, let's make this hard and let's make this challenging and and from like a personal and professional perspective for no reason. Like that's the thing. Like, yeah, 
it didn't stick in his personality. He was just a dick in that moment. And then someone was like, what if I have placement tests? And he was like, I don't give a shit because that's your deadline. Mm-hmm. But then like, yeah, he tells Andrea later, like, no, I know you from the blaze. You're good. And then he runs to Brandon to be like, please join. <laughs> like his personality does not match all of these different things. And I just, just like, I'm, I'm bored. And then she gets her assignment, which writing a restaurant review of the peach pit makes no sense to me. But whatever. So now I'm starting to wonder how close are, um, like Beverly, like West Beverly High, and CU? Because wasn't CU in like, it's in LA. Malibu? No, I think it's in LA. I don't know. Okay. I I need a fake map. <laughs> like these are all fake places, so I need a fake map. Yeah, because I'm starting to think, like, if the Peach Pit is close enough to campus for the campus to know about it, then it's got to be pretty, like, a close drive. Everything has to be really close to each other. Like, Yeah, and the it, fact that, like, Brandon was going to commute, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, probably not as close, and this is going to be lost on all of our listeners if they're not in the Atlanta area. But it seems to me that it's, like, Grady High School to Georgia Tech. Yeah, it really but does. But like on an LA scale, so a little bit bigger. But mm-hmm. for reference, guys, like you can literally take one road to get between the two of them and it's like two miles. Yeah. And see, it wouldn't make sense because I was thinking it was more like Gwinnett County to Athens, like 30 minutes or so. And I feel like that would make more sense. It would. But then it doesn't make sense for the Peach Pit to be well known because like I don't when I was living in Athens, I didn't know anything about Gwinnett County places, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. So, and that's the thing that would make more sense to me is like you grew up in Gwinnett and you were working somewhere in Gwinnett. You go to Athens. You don't drive back to Gwinnett to do a restaurant review. Exactly. Yeah. Like we would meet in Gwinnett in the middle if like we had, you know, friends at Georgia and friends at Kennesaw. We would like meet in the middle to like hang mm-hmm. out. But like whatever. I just don't understand. I I need a map. I need a fake map. And I feel like we've been talking about a map since season one. Oh, we have. We have. Nope. But yeah. So then there was another scene. And again, this was like Brandon talking to Steve about his living situation. And he mentions again how if Brenda moves home, he can't live there. And mm, I'm just going to beat this dead horse into the ground because... I don't get it. But then Steve brings up like, oh, well, you should join the keg house or the K-E-G, Kappa. Um, Epsilon Gamma? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, it's just so stupid. The idea that they went straight to keg. I know. Like, you should jo- join the keg house with me because I'm a legacy and da-da-da-da-da. And, and, I mean, we've totally lost the thing that Brandon's an alcoholic or shouldn't be around alcohol by this oh, yeah. point. No, it's gone. So – yeah, so Steve's like, yeah, 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 bro, do it with me, bro. Let's be bros and let's let's join this bro house. And and Brandon's like, dude, I'm not that kind of bro, bro. And you know, so I know, like, I didn't write it all down, but this is yeah, when he's like, well, I'm not the stay up all night and drink all the beers and blah blah blah. And that's when Steve is like, well, I'm not a Bart Simpson hockey puck haircut bullshitter <laughs> with no place to live. Drop the mic. <laughs> oh. Speaking of Mike, did you see the boom mic in the next scene? God, no. It like, I swear I have just gotten like an eye for these like teeny little boom mic dips because it literally, it was like 
a fingernail size boom mic and I still caught it and I had to rewind and make sure that it was there because it's the next scene when uh, David and Donna are standing in like the little DJ area and he's like, look how cool this place is. And then he says, relax, let me do all the talking. And it was like, she's trying to get a job in radio. (laughs) Why would you tell her to shut up? Oh, David. And like, yeah, you really did not have a good episode. He didn't. But like right after he says that and they start moving is when it's just like, I'm just so happy that Mr. Boom has decided to enroll at California University because if he didn't, I would be so sad. He really lightened the mood here. Although I I did enjoy that he just starts talking to the first man he sees and this man is just like, blah, 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 Russian? Yeah. like, And then they have to mime like around the corner that way. And then he gets it. And then he's like, thanks. And then (laughs) we will never see that man again. Nope. It's like, let's just pick the most sophisticated dude that is in this radio station. Oh, you're the Mr. Program Director. Mm. No, he's just a tall man. (laughs) With like a good haircut. (laughs) Like the Program Director didn't look anything like him. And David's just like, this must be the man. Mm -hmm. And then Donna's like, I think that's the man. Mm -hmm. And like, she's right. And David is still just like, shut up, Donna. I mean, he didn't actually say shut up in this scene, but like, he probably thought it. I got shades of like freshman in high school, David here with his like goofy grin and like his like desperate, you know, like his yes trying to sound impressive. I, I don't know what it, he was trying to do, but he just looked like freshman in high school, David. And I was like, Ooh, this is not a good look for you, bro. Which I do think fits his personality. Like we've seen him be really desperate until he finally gets the confidence to do what he wants to do. But he is so concerned about his radio career and all of these other things that like he just yells at Donna and it makes me mad mm-hmm. agreed <laughs> um and then there's a scene of Brenda mixing peanut butter and jelly in a bowl before she puts it on bread which brilliant I don't understand why we had to have this scene <laughs> so I legit because <laughs> I don't think I saw bread I was like, wait a minute, is Brenda just eating mixed up jelly and peanut butter? And it made me laugh clearly. Like, I'm still giggling about it, but like, it made me laugh so hard. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And like, I saw the bread. So I like instinctively, and I've had sandwiches where people have like mixed the peanut butter and jelly together before they put it on the bread. So like, I knew that was what was coming, but I do. I had a moment where I was expecting her to just like mix them together and then just pull the spoon out and just be like, mm. Yep. I thought she was about to take a big bite. <laughs> I mean, is there anything wrong with that? You eat peanut butter off a spoon. Why not just like dollop a jelly? I mean, you're so right. I just like, it just made me giggle so much. <laughs> but yeah, there was zero point because Kelly was just talking to Brenda about the situation that we've heard about, you know, over and over. So there was zero point because then we immediately clip back to David and Donna actually um, talking to the program director about the radio station. And the program director says two words um, and basically like, yeah, they just get the audition somehow. Yeah. And then like the next actual scene that I care about is when Kelly goes over to Dylan's house to yell at him for not enrolling and like she sounds way too much like his parent which I feel like at this age you kind of like 
do. Like mm-hmm. you, you get too much in everybody else's lives and especially when like you have this vision of your boyfriend going to college with you and all of these things. But yeah, her standing there and yelling at him and being like, I don't – I haven't heard a good answer. Why have you not enrolled in school? What is your plan? You you can't do that, especially not with Dylan. Yeah, and I think – I think this is actually – doing a decent job of showing that Dylan and Kelly just don't really fit together. They right? don't. And I I think, yeah, saying that she's acting like a parent to him kind of very much, you like, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, especially in this episode, because then you see later on, I swear to God, like, Shannon Doherty and Luke Perry, they just have it, right? Yeah. Like, they just have that chemistry that any time they have a scene, it doesn't matter what scene it is, the chemistry is just oozing out of the screen. And I think I think initially I wanted it to be there for Dylan and Kelly because I like Jenny Garth and I like Luke Perry so much, but it's just not there. And that's okay. That happens. Like some actors just, they just don't have chemistry. And, and sometimes it's vice versa where like I know for, you know, a while like Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson hated each other in real life, but they had the best chemistry for those rom-coms they did together for so long so sometimes it's the opposite but in this case it's just like they seem like they'd probably get along just fine they just don't have it on screen and that's okay yeah no I mean that's like you know we've said it before so I'm gonna try not to beat a dead horse but like I'm just tired of the triangle yeah same I'm just over it I I don't care I appreciate the chemistry on screen I appreciate the acting but then I'm just like okay whatever yeah let's get some new um, some new relationships, some new characters to see where this goes. Yeah. But at the same time, the next scene that we get, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I really struggled with keeping notes in order. Um, but this is when Brandon comes home and like this is where you realize he has his undies in the second room because he's mm-hmm. like going through like his sock drawer or whatever. And Brenda's sitting on the futon and they have a twin talk, which I really appreciated. And like it's it's so cute how very like we're 18 so we have to have everything figured out it is because I understand that feeling I remember that feeling and now mm-hmm. I'm older and I'm just like you don't have to have shit figured out right now well and I do I do appreciate the sibling relationship I think that's one thing that's really good about really good about this show is that at the end of the day no matter what the writers kind of like throw at them and what attitudes there are across the board. Like when um, Brandon and Brenda have these twin talks, it's like, okay, they're, they're good siblings. Like they really care about each other. And these are substantial talks. Like these aren't just, uh, Brandon's being annoying. Well, you're being annoying. You started it. He started it. Like all that kind of nonsense. It's like legit, like they're friends, you know? Yeah. And they like work through their feelings for, e- for each other. Oh God. <laughs> They work it's not the- one of those shows. <laughs> well, they work through these feelings they have because, I mean, Brandon is mad at her for literally no reason. He has no leg to stand on being mad at her, besides the point. They, you know, work through this and she explains why she came back. You know, he, this is where he has that whole, like, I am one Brandon out of a sea of Brandons that can Brandon just like I Brandon. <laughs> and then, you know, he makes the comment of, like, we're going to be sharing a bathroom in our parents' house for the rest of our lives. Because Mitch, neither of them LOL. have any- – I loved it. <laughs> that was the thing where I was like, you don't have to have your stuff figured out. You are 18. 
Like, Mm -hmm. your parents can let you stay in the house for another year while you figure your shit out. They want Brandon to stay there. Yeah, they definitely do. And again, like, they want him to stay there at the expense of Brenda. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Again, it just, like, why can't they both be there? Well, because that's literally the next scene. Like, that was at night, which Brenda is sleeping on the futon. And I'm so mad about it. Where's our bed? (laughs) But she comes down the next morning and Cindy's like, oh, you're finally up. And was like super snotty with her. And she's like, mom, it's 8 a.m. Like, I'm like, I didn't wake up at 8 a.m. today. (laughs) Like, I, the only reason I was up before 8 a.m. is because of my stupid cats. Right. But like, I wouldn't have been otherwise. Mm hmm. But like, I love that Cindy is volunteering at the recycling center. It's like, (laughs) continuity. That's all yes. she does is recycle, but I will take it. It's funny. It makes me think like the other lead writers for the other episodes were like maybe making notes or just getting, <laughs> you know, this new guy, like some tips and tricks. And then they're like, one thing that must be consistent. Cindy Walsh cares about the environment. <laughs> Cindy recycles and she gardens. And that yeah. is it. Yeah. She stands by her man while she is gardening. Yep. Because, yeah, I mean, that was the whole scene is, like, Cindy is just walking out the door being, like, I agree with what your father said. You need to be figuring out what to do. And it is 8 o'clock in the morning and you are not already outside. Yep. Like, that was it. I would have honestly loved if she was, like, if you don't have a plan, you have to go recycle with me. Yeah. Like, put her – yeah. Like, I almost would rather, instead of it being, like, you know, college is the only answer, I would almost have rather have been, just like you said, like, if you're not going to go to college – then you must come work with me. Like you gotta, you gotta be productive, right? You can't just bum around. But didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean it's fine because I really liked the Dylan and Brenda stuff that we got. Yeah. Um, but I would also like to point out that Cindy went to college and then immediately got married and pregnant and does not use her degree. So like, was college the right path for her? She got an MRS degree, so like I guess it worked out. But she did have that whole seventeen-year itch thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking. Yep. Anywho. Yeah. That w- then we go to the peach pit, I think, was next because Nat is like frantic because he doesn't have his boy Brandon. And Which we <laughs> he had a job you- for like two years. Right. He right. wasn't even there the whole time. And he had better people when Brandon wasn't there that one summer. Um, I think it's funny that we actually get a Willie and Nadine mention. And I, I do love that like, yeah. We get these mentions of him being like, Nadine's fucking up the coffee. Willie's not here. So everything's on fire. And it's like, I really feel like Brenda's going to get a job at the peach pit. Same, same. I thought the exact same. I was like, so Brenda's definitely going to work here, right? Because we still have to have the peach pit. And very clearly it is, you know, close enough to the university because uh, it's later. But like Andrea goes and does the, like, I'll have the lobster bisque followed by the tri-tip steak wrapped in a pita. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is a diner. <laughs> I was like, what is this menu? <laughs> um, but there is one other scene uh, where it's like David talking to Donna about how they need to get the air check tape to the place by like 5 p.m. And he's like, you have to do this. You're not going to do this. I don't have time to do this, but I need you to do this. And I don't trust you to do this. And she's like, it's fine. And he's like, it's not fine. And then Kelly has to be like, I will remind her to do it. And then he goes, remember, it's only our future. Yeah. I'm like, bruh, like, that's why this is so, 
weird for David because he's never been like this. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, the fact that Kelly had to come and be like, oh, make sure she does it like like Donna's some child. Well, and that's the thing that gets me is I do think David has kind of been like this because he was all over her when she took over the radio station for him. But I feel like she's proven that she's not a ditz. Yeah, I think that's what I mean. It's like, like once she- Donna like – because obviously the whole radio thing – in high school was like his baby. So I get being a little overprotective. And I think it could have been anybody that went, you know, was trying to take over and he and he would be the same way. But yeah, it was like it was literally that one time and then ever since then like he and Donna had this wonderful partnership where she was excellent and is still excellent. And so it's like why would you think that she would choose to drop the ball now? Well, and that's the thing. She didn't stand up for herself. And, like, he always gives her so much shit about not having sex with him. And I'm like, this is why she's not going to have sex with you. (laughs) Yeah, boy, you think she didn't before? (laughs) Like, you know what's a real good turn on? Yelling at me about my incompetence. (laughs) Man, that just – that gets me so ready to give you my flower. (laughs) Yeah. Like – like, I'm not saying that Donna puts these things in her memory and is like, I'm going to hold off on sex for another three weeks because of this one. But, like, she is definitely, like, it is clamped tight down there. She is just like, absolutely not. I am so over your bullshit. Man, I just remember the Eliza Schlesinger stand-up where, you know, I don't – I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's actually quite a long bit, but it's my favorite bit that she does. And she says something where she was on a first date with somebody and she asks a question of her date and he answers it, but that's it. And she's like, you know, normally after that, the person would be like, what about you? Like, you know, return the conversation. And then she's like, well, he didn't. And, you know, as women, we remember that shit. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking about for Donna here. It's like, she definitely is probably not like diabolical in the sense like, oh, I'm packing this way so that I can use it so we don't have sex. But no, she will remember it because women remember everything. (laughs) Like every time he gives a dig at her, like, I don't think she's just like, he just needs a release. Like, no, she is just like, this is a dick move. And you cannot possibly think this is working. Correct. Correct. And yeah, because like that was that whole scene was just him being an asshole to her. And then like Kelly being like, you know, you're right. I'll stand up. Like I will make sure this happens rather than being like, David, stop being a dick. Yeah. But yeah, because then then they go to the peach pit and then this is when Dylan is sitting there and like his entire order is wrong. And Nat's just like, it's fine. Just like push it off the plate. I'll get you the new stuff. You're just going to push potatoes onto the counter. Yeah. Like where did you want him to put it? (laughs) And I love that. Like Dylan's like, what about my toast? And he's like, just eat it. Yeah. It's toast. (laughs) It's fine. Oh, I mean, I get it. And like part of me is sitting here thinking like, Nat's your friend. He's really struggling right now eat the fucking toast. Right. But right. also, like, I understand being like, I wanted fruit. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Brenda walks in and they just – they're just cute. Right. They're just, like, cute. Um, there was only one other thing before that that happened that I, wa- I just want to add a quick note on. And it was Steve and Brandon, and Steve was pushing the keg house again, like, really, really hard, or the keg fraternity. Um, but he mentioned that the school is, like – 
8,000 people deep. And I'm like, that's a very small school. Like, yeah. Because UGA is 35,000 kids. And like my sister went to GCSU, Georgia College and State University. Hers was 5,000. So I'm like, see, was he only talking about freshmen or is that just how big the school is? And if so, that's a tiny school. Yeah. I was like, whoa, did not realize it was this small, but that was really, I just wanted to make that. Oh, oh. And the other thing, this is when Steve is trying to convince Brandon to go visit and kind of go to this mixer. And he says something, he's like, come on, man, birth to earth. And Brandon's womb like, yeah, to womb to tomb. And I'm like, I get that they're best friends, but they've known each other for three years. Like, this is not a, we grew up as babies together and we've always been together. So I'm like, maybe this was the 1993 version of Ride or Die, but. I mean, yeah, it definitely is. And, but I'm so conflicted because I do, I know myself and I know I'm so much more comfortable going places if I have a friend with me. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just like, this is your chance to really like go do the thing. You really want to join. You already have friends there. You're a legacy, quote unquote. Brandon doesn't want to do it. And yeah. if Brandon doesn't want to do it, he's going to be a super fucking downer when he gets there. <laughs> yeah. Like, pardon my language. I feel like I'm swearing a lot more than I usually do. But like, it's all right. He's going to be a downer. Yeah. Or he's going to get there, realize that he was wrong and you were right, and then completely take over. Which totally yeah steve have we learned nothing from all of the women you've tried to date all of the sports you've tried to play together yeah do we not remember the last episode (laughs) but um yeah and then yeah this is when brenda and dylan start bonding because of course they do because they're perfect they're so good uh, yeah yeah and i do love that they're like what are you doing today? Nothing. What are you doing today? Nothing. Should we do nothing together? Yeah. And then like they do have talks because I was like, to be fair, don't do nothing, but like you can do it together. Like you can do something together. Just don't do nothing. Like that's just bumming about. Well, and something I thought was interesting here is that we remember no, like not much time has passed since Brenda was pushing Dylan to take his SATs. And to go to, to college. go to college. And I think, and maybe this was just an oversight by the writers and maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I tend to give Dylan a lot of credit for not like rubbing that in Brenda's face when she's like, you know, you were right. College is not for me or like college isn't everything. And he's just like, yep, same. And then they want to go hang out together you know so again maybe it was an oversight but I'm just like it's very interesting how they kind of have Brenda do that little 180 because of the realization that she's had and the experiences that she had and I think that's I think that's a very comforting thing that they didn't make it a big deal at least from Dylan's perspective I mean obviously Jim and Cindy they're just for different reasons but because I think it's um I would love to be in a place in our world where you had an opinion, you then had experiences that changed that opinion, and now you have a different opinion, and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? I think we're in, it's all that cancel culture and all this stuff where, and, and obviously there are exceptions to that rule. If you're racist, if you're sexist, if you're, you know, homophobic, all of that, no, 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 not cool with that. But it's like, if you have an opinion on something that's like, I hate bananas, 
oh, wait, I had a banana and it was really good. Years later, I now love them. That should be okay. I'm oversimplifying it, but my point is mostly that it's okay to have an opinion, then experience something, and then change your mind about it. And I, I, I just liked that that was okay in this scene. Yeah. No, I definitely appreciate their relationship that, like, she did the thing she was so insistent on. It didn't work out. And he was just, like, cool with it. Yeah. Like, that's that's important. And, like, I think that's something that do, does rub off on her. Agreed. Um, And then, like, a lot of little stupid things happen. And, like, I kind of just want to, like, rush through a few of these, like, smaller things. Like, Andrea and the sweaty RA, like, it was really <laughs> cute that – uh, Kelly and Donna come bring her croissants, but we've already talked about like she gets the bigger dorm room, she gets the computer, sweaty RA shows up, she gives him a croissant <laughs> from Cafe Delicious. That's so cute. I do think it, the only thing I'll say on that is I actually, it warmed my heart that Kelly and Donna brought Andrea breakfast because we've still not really seen Andrea be friends with anyone but Brandon. I mean, she's in the group, yeah. but we've really only seen Brandon in her relationship. And so I was just like, oh my God, they like her. And she's even like, why did you guys come? And she's like, we're your friends. And I'm just like, <gasps> like, this is so nice. <laughs> they brought her so many croissants. She opened the bag and there were like four croissants in there. And she was like, <laughs> what? And they were like, we want you to get fat, not us. But then like, super sweaty kind of adorable uh RA comes in and she's just like I have a variety <laughs> yeah. I can be whatever you want me to be <laughs> which uh that's Dan right his that's name is Dan, Dan. okay mm -hmm. my only comment about him is I looked up his IMDB because I looked up everybody's at this point he was in uh Robin Hood Men in Tights oh that's fun he's Will Scarlet Oh, okay. Let's get out of these dresses and get into our tights. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together. That's awesome. I didn't put it together until I saw it, and then I got really excited because yeah. I quote that movie so often. That's funny. I love it. We don't get no tolls. We don't need no rolls. <laughs> Made that up myself. Oh. Um, But then, like, it continues with Andrea. She has to review the peach pit. She gets really weird about the menu. She rips him in the article she writes. And Brandon is very true of just like, why did you do this? Mm -hmm. Like there was – I don't understand. She could easily have written a great article about all the experiences she has had at the Peach Pit rather than just like a straight like it was on fire the day I showed up. It was one of those things where like with sports when you have an announcer that went to the school that they're talking about and they're trying so hard to, to be unbiased that they're too far in one direction, you know, like mm -hmm. they end up bashing their school or whatever when it's like, yeah, like there, there is a line between being too biased and, and giving a, an, um, an objective review, but she just went so far the other way. It's like, girl, like you need to calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Brandon does say all that to her and then she goes to the newspaper and we've talked about this a little bit too where she's like, I'm not turning this in. And the guy was just like, I mean, all you have to do is turn it in and you're in. And she's like, no, I don't like that I did this. I'm not going to be on the paper. And then he gives her crap about it and she's like, well, I guess I'm going to be a doctor. I know. Which, like, of course Andrea did that. <laughs> she's not just like, 
I'll just go be some other kind of writer. I'll be an English major. She's like, I'm a doctor, actually. Which, like, the glow up is going to be real, like, <laughs> if that happens. It's so perfect for her. Agreed. I I mean, it combines a lot of her different personality traits where she loves helping people. She's extremely studious and she just wants to, you know, leave a positive experience on the world. So I am all for Andrea being whatever kind of doctor she wants to be. She would have the best bedside manner. Everyone wants totally. to be Andrea's patient. Yep. And like, that's literally, that's it for Andrea. Like, yes, it is. I yep. just, I, whatever. But then the other thing that we see is Kelly and Donna get back into Donna's car after, like, going to visit and everything, and it's so hot, and they're like, oh, my God, roll the windows down, turn the AC on, da-da-da, and, like, I relate. I relate so hard. (laughs) My car has never gotten so hot that a tape melted in it. That was my thing. I'm like, can that happen? Like, I've had chocolate melt in my car. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I I remember melting a crayon in my mom's car, and I didn't do it. My friend did it. But, like, I related so much here. And I love that they go to explain what happened. And first of all, David calls her stupid again. But then I loved the back and forth. And she's like, I mean, it's like when Cam Bear gets a little sweaty. And he's like, it's Cam and Bear. Like, so I didn't write down that. I mean, I, I remember that happening. But I didn't write down David's, like, constant correctiveness and stuff. But, like, I literally wrote down Donna talking about cheese is going to be perfect for Ariel. <laughs> I was so excited. I was just like, this is what I need to be. This like, is- I can hear you doing that rambling. Like, <laughs> I've melted a brie in the car. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> like, I just, I loved it. I love that she was like, it's like when you leave out, a, you know, Gruyere and it gets kind of sweaty. <laughs> And, like, the guy is silent this whole time. They're yelling at each other. And then he's like, this was amazing. I know. He's like, this works. <laughs> and I love that he's like, I have the perfect slot for you, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then they, like, rush home and are so excited about it. And they tell Kelly. And she thinks they got, like, primetime radio. Mm-hmm. So cute. I know. I loved it. That, like – for all the crap that David did this episode, it's like it was a rewarding end just because like Donna still came out on top, right? Like mm-hmm. it was like despite the bullshit, she's still awesome. Yeah, and I'll be very interested to see how this works out because this basically means Kelly is going to be alone all the time because they'll never be home at night and then they have the 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. slot together, mm-hmm. which like – yeah, At least – Donna never has to be alone doing it at 2 a.m. because that would make me very nervous of her walking by herself. Same. But she will literally never have to not be with David because they live together. They can commute Mm -hmm. together. Which will also be interesting to see how that takes a toll on their relationship. Oh, yeah. They work together. They live together. They go to school together. It's going to be a thing. And that's the end of Donna and David. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then we go over to the keg house and the like leader or whoever, he looked so familiar. His voice was so familiar. And then I looked him, I I was like, I know he's been a bunch of stuff, but I couldn't pinpoint exactly what. And like, holy crap, this dude has been in everything. Like he's never, it seems like he's never been a lead or even really a supporting role because he basically is in like anywhere from one to maybe like 10 episodes per thing he's been in. But my God, he sure has been in everything. And now I've, I didn't write it down. I even forgot the thing that I most recently remember. 
that he was in, but he's been in everything. Yeah, because I think he's the one that I looked him up and he was in Veronica Mars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like he's the one that like next week he plays a professor on Saved by the Bell. And then he's a professor for like ever because he's a professor in season three the of college Veronica years. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the college years of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And then um, yeah, Veronica Mars. Yep. But he's been in so many things. Oh my he's gosh. Been in so many things. Yeah. Cause I pulled him up too. Cause I went to IMGB and I was like, this guy looks familiar. And then I saw that he was Professor Landry in Veronica Mars. And like I had a flashback. And then I was like, I should rewatch Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Only seasons one through three. And then kind of the movie for nostalgia, but season four was not that great. Season three was not that great, but I still love it. <laughs> but yeah, they are just t- talking about the different benefits of the fraternity. And I think this is the classic, like Brandon has this classic idea of what a fraternity is with like the beer drinking and the pizza eating and the debauchery and the which whatever. Steve has which, not tamped down. No, not at all. And, and to be fair, like most frats are like that. But this guy made it a point to talk about like recycling and the stuff that they want to do in the community. And I do love that he was like, make sure and, you know, you separate all of your crap. Um, And Brandon was like, huh? Well, and then they talk about sports and he says hockey. And Brandon's like, hockey? Hockey? And that's where, yeah, it's like, all right, Brandon's going to like take over this thing. Steve is going to feel left out. And then, yeah, Steve has to go because he has to go talk to his advisor and I really did not appreciate that he, like, walked past and then leered in while two people were making out on the pool table, which, like, why are you doing that when people are at your place? Right. Like, I did not appreciate that at all because then he, like, looks in and he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was hoping for. It's like, don't be-, be gross, Steve. Every episode, they have to remind us that Steve is inherently gross. <laughs> and, like, the next episode doesn't look good for him either because they want to put him in advanced astrophysics. Like, <laughs> okay, either Steve messed up so badly he veered all the way around to, like, 100% or he just cheated that hard off the guy in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, like, he goes with it. They were like, oh, no, you don't have to take your math courses. You don't have to take your science courses. We're putting you right into here, which will free you up for electives which he then uses to get the electives he couldn't get earlier. Exactly. And he basically is like, I don't know, winning this counselor guy over because he's like, quote unquote, not wanting to rush into his like major or the field that he wants to study. He wants to like broaden his horizons. I'm like, no college professor or counselor would ever say that. I know. I loved this whole thing of like he's bullshitting it his way in and I was like the second you show up in advanced astrophysics this is all over and this is your student advisor like this guy is not gonna forget this Mm -mm. he forgets like forgettable people like I showed up to my student advisor because I had to and I was just like no I already know I'm gonna be an accountant like I'm done (laughs) and they were like okay bye see you in four years Yeah, it was kind of the same way for me. It's like, I'm going to go into the journalism school and I'm going to be a sports reporter. Oh, wait, no, I'm not because I don't want to be on camera. And I'm also going to add psychology. And they just were like, you take these classes and you be good. And I'm like, cool, bye. And that was it. Yeah. And like, yeah, the same thing happened in grad school. They handed me the list of classes I had to take. And we're like, these are what you have to take. This is when you're going to take them. These are the teachers you're going to take them with you can pick between like, do you want it at noon or do you want it at 2.30? And that's it. Yeah. And so like, yeah, no one is going to remember me. Everyone is going to remember Steve Sanders. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah. And then 
that's it for Steve. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next thing that happens is Student Senate and Brandon for the Progressive Party, and we've talked about it. Don't totally care. Uh, Kelly and Dylan make up. Which we didn't even really talk about Dylan and Brenda and their fishing and stuff, but like they really just talk about Europe and they bond over how they would have had their Europe experience, which is so them. Yeah. Um, in this whole episode, they're kind of building again, like almost like little puzzle pieces to put together and little building blocks to like make it seem like they're the better couple, which in all fairness they are. And, you know, kind of remind the audience like you like this is who you want to root for. But then, you know, she, like Mary said in the synopsis, she hooks him with the hook and it's fine because it was just a sweatshirt but she's like reaching around him to get it out and they're very close to kissing and then they acknowledge that they're very close to kissing and they even say like you're giving me the look and she's like what look and he's like you know what look and she's like well so are you and they don't kiss yeah and I do appreciate that they were like we need to just be friends and then when Dylan goes to Kelly later she's like a little concerned about it and he's like no no we're just friends we've gotten past all that stuff yeah, I didn't really touch on it because, like, it was cute, but there's not a lot to talk about. Like, Correct. They basically just had the same opinions about things and then caught a really tiny fish and then both decided they were going to enroll in college, which, like, mm -hmm. you know, good on them. Glad that happened. But the most important thing, I think, at the end of the episode to talk about is when Jim comes home and Cindy's like, oh, Brenda has something to talk about. And Jim's like, I have to go first. And it was the stupidest thing where he's like, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and you're going to pay rent because that's going to cover the costs when Brandon moves out. Which, like, what costs? Is she paying – is she, like, paying for Brandon's future rent that Jim and Cindy are going to cover? Like, this is – I have no words. What? The visceral what? response. Like, you are emoting. I wish you guys could see me. Like, not you and Mary, because you can't. But <laughs> listeners, I – what? What? <laughs> like, and like, why on earth would Brenda pay for costs? Like, she's going to pay Brandon's rent wherever yeah. he goes? What? Yeah. Well, and then, like, that was the thing. Why would you mention Brandon in this point? It is just about Brenda. And the idea that Jim is like, I have to get this out first. And you can even see like all of them are giving looks like what is happening. Like now he just looks like a dick. And Brenda's over there smirking. Which she I knows. Love. Yeah. Yes. Because number one, she could be what they view as classic Brenda of being overly dramatic and like cause a scene and get all fired up. But no, she's over there just like, you know, doing whatever she's doing. She's like, <laughs> that's cute, Jim. Yeah, she's like, like, I'll let you finish getting all this out. By the way, I'm going to college. And then he's yeah. just like, wait, what? He's like, I, yeah, like, he didn't I'm talk to anybody before he made this decision. And then he just announces it to the family. I just could not. I At this point, I was just so frustrated. I didn't write anything else. I was like, like, I was typing the sentence of like, oh my God, Brenda is supposed to pay for Brandon's cost to move out in all caps and then stopped writing. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's it. 
Brenda's going to go to college. Dylan's going to go to college. Everybody got most of what they wanted. Steve is going to drown in astrophysics. And I guess Andrea is going to be a doctor. Yep. Which her Jewish mother is going to love. <laughs> My daughter's a doctor. My daughter's a doctor. She's a surgeon. She can fix you right up. Oh. <laughs> All right. So what was your quote of the week? Well, I need my guesses. I know you don't have any, Mary. Do you have any guesses? I I have said all of the quotes that I have. Uh, the only quote I wrote down that I didn't say is when I just wrote down a bunch of shit that David said where he's like, you have no idea how embarrassing this is to me. Don't pay any attention to her. It's Cam and Bear. <laughs> but I know that's not your quote of the week. Nope. My guess was, what do you call the dumbest fish in school? Dinner. Ha! Get it? <laughs> Close, but no cigar. Was it, All what right. do you call the dumbest fish in school? You. It was not, but that's that's also a good thought because you know how much I love Jenny Garth. So, my quote of the week is, I'm not an up all night drinking beer out of a keg, eating cold pizza for breakfast, getting hit in the back of the head by a cricket bat kind of guy. No, you're just some kind of soft drink sipping hockey puck haircut having Bart Simpson lookalike. With no place to live. That was my quote of the week. I thought it was going to be that when that scene happened, but I was like, I'm not writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I had to pause, go back 10 seconds, pause, go back 10 seconds, put the subtitles on, <laughs> go back to write it down? It was so much. I loved it, though. That kind of that banter so is what I wish I was in real life. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's – this is kind of a good segue into, like, what we graded the episode – because despite the fact that this was a very misogynistic episode and the whole Brenda moving back and then having to pay for Brandon and everybody being so mad at her thing, like, despite all of that, like, now, especially now that I know that it was this guy's first, like, big script of his own, and that that could literally mean nothing. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to give this episode a B plus for Brandon's rent. Oh, yeah. I, I would absolutely agree. Probably give it a B, B plus, but for Bart Simpson lookalike. So that's that's what I took for that. Because, like, until Steve said it, I didn't realize it. And then once he said it, I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. That is what his haircut is. It's just up. <laughs> yeah. I did write yeah. down the hockey puck haircut because I was like, it really, it's just like someone placed something on top of his hair. Yeah. It's Especially like, now that here? he's got the, like, lack of a fade. Yeah, exactly. It's like put something there and then cut everything else off but what it's on top of. <laughs> no, so I, I liked it. I'm looking forward to the college years. I know, same. At least I generally, Yeah, and I generally am the kind of person who – it's an unpopular opinion, but I generally like the college years more than the non-college years in shows, so I'm excited. Yeah. No, I can't. I'm ready. I'm ready. What's next week? Next week, we have season four, episode four. Greek to me. Okay. Rush week. Yeah. I'm ready. I like it. Yep. Well, let's get to it. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So until we get to rush week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. And you can send us an email and make sure that we uh, get some correspondence going. Um, you can do that at back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to open up that app that you're listening to us in and give us, you know, a rating, review, subscribe, share with your friends, 
share with your parents if you really want to, but I'm not sure you do after all of my swearing this week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that all that kind of stuff helps us get seen. If you leave us a review, we'll shout you out on the episode. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we love that kind of stuff. And and like Ariel said, we'll we'll shout you out whatever kind of comment or, you know, thoughts you've got. We'll make sure to give you that shout out because we want to make sure that we highlight our listeners too because we love you guys. Yeah, this is all a community. We are a gang. <laughs> we are the gang. But like 30 years later. Yeah. <laughs> that was my great transition. I love it. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Ariel. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.